All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast, the last one of the 2019 season, as usual, as it has crossed over into the next year, because that's just how we roll here. So it is 2020, but uh, don't mistake it for a 2020 show. Don't get confused, people. Uh, I am joined by uh, the whole kit and caboodle today. I've got everybody. Uh, let's kick it off with uh, my normal co-host, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are we doing today? Hey, doing great. By the way, if you're worried about this show being in 2020, so is the Super Bowl. That also, so it's good enough for the Super Bowl. It's good. No, enough no, for- no. Nobody needs to talk about that. <laughs> I still think they need to make it Super Bowl Saturday instead of Super Bowl Sunday. In fact, we should go into that at length. Uh, all right, Super Bowl holiday Monday. Yeah, everybody agrees. We're all on board. National yep. holiday. Yep, that or that. I'm fine with that. Although if you just moved it to Saturday, you wouldn't have to give us an extra day off, which is what would get sold with the, with the rich people who actually run this joint. Speaking of people that want that to be a national holiday, our resident Canadian, Jack Cavanaugh. Jack, how you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. Enjoyed the holidays. It's uh, nice to be getting into some playoff football finally. Ready for that. For sure, for sure. And then we are joined, of course, by that FF nerd, Jason Draven. Jason, how are you today? I'm excited. I'm ready to go through all this stuff. I'm coaching and everything else that we have on the docket. So much awesome. end of season things on the docket. Today. Yay! Oh, it's going to be good. And uh, you know I'm in a good mood. Neil knows especially that I'm in a good mood because I won my championship this week. Boo! Oh, man. If you Boo thought Ovechkin man! went on a bender, oh, the summer of Steve is going to be out of control. I am already looking forward to it. Got some destinations planned. Oh, it's going to be good. Don't worry, Neil. You'll have a, a whole photo library coming to you all year long. Just me and the Marty, trophy hanging out. Marty blocked you in anticipation. <laughs> good. Good. I would not want it any other way. But we're going to kick this off as usual for the uh, end of season show with the coaching carousel. Uh, the changes that we are going to be looking at and monitoring throughout the off season. Uh First and foremost, Ron Rivera has taken over already as the R's new head coach. Uh, Despite multiple reports, Doug Marone is still sticking around in Jacksonville for some reason. Love them fried bologna sandwiches. Uh, Jason Garrett is not going to get re-upped by the Cowboys, so that means we have the Browns, Cowboys, Giants, and Panthers currently looking for new head coaches. There have been rumors about the Vikings, but they still seem to be uh, sticking with what they've got over there. We'll see if they, you know, win or not this weekend. Other than that, I mean, Mike McCarthy seems to be a hot name associated with all these jobs for some reason. Uh, Baylor coach Matt Rule is the front runner for the Giants. Uh, Of course, Lincoln Riley, who they've been talking about for two years here in Dallas about coming to the Cowboys, is the front runner there. So uh, let's let's start it off with Jack. Jack, which of these jobs do you think has the biggest fantasy impact for 2020? Uh, So for me, it definitely has to be the Cleveland Browns, just because I think getting someone who is um, like even average compared to Freddie Kitchens in there just instantly upgrades everyone. And so we still have Odell Beckham there for now. We'll see if he ends up getting shipped out like he's been asking for. Apparently, we still have Jarvis Landry, still have two very talented running backs, and we have the number one overall pick from last year, Baker Mayfield. So just by not having Freddie Kitchens calling the plays anymore, I think that's just an upgrade itself. And if we can get like an actual like talented play caller, like they're not going to get Lincoln Riley, but someone like him that elevates the uh, offense, maybe Josh McDaniels, it could be really exciting to watch. I'm really excited to see what the Browns do. But to that same note, it could completely sewer their value at the same time because it is the Browns. I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, Neil, what do you think is the biggest fantasy impact job on the market right now? Remember when Freddie Kitchens got fired and I texted you with a bunch of other people? But now who will be fat and incompetent? I present you, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> like just, That's a fair point. That is a fair is, point. Folks. <laughs> like now who will just be totally out of their depth. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of what Jack said. I think it is that Browns, the Browns hire, because you have still, as we sit here and talk about it today, Odell Beckham is still on the team. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, and again, We've you got, talked about that. His big issue was Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, so let's his just put issue, that out there. His big he, issue. He wanted was off Freddie the team because he didn't like the offense and he didn't like Freddie Kitchens. So now why that that's you, gone, yeah. why would you? Now, if you're going to Mike McCarthy, okay, maybe some of that still stands, but still, as of today, he's still there. You got to figure out how to get that turned around. You still have two top end running backs. 
going into next year with Hunt and Chubb. They're both going to be, you know, very, very own for fantasy football purposes. Shout out to your friend on Twitter who was speculating that Nick <laughs> Chubb may be gone and that they were going to give that whole job to Kareem Hunt and uh, and then Dorsey gone the next day. So shout out to shout out to that. That was that was one of my favorite yeah, one day Kareem news Hunt stories. Is a restricted free agent, so uh, they can put a high tender on him so that if anybody wants to really pay a huge amount for Kareem Hunt, they could retain him or get a pick uh, as compensation. I feel like they're going to pay to keep him, but that was my feeling when Dorsey was in that seat. Yeah, so now we'll see how that goes. Now when it's a new GM, we'll see how that actually goes. Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. But for right now, they're all on the team. They're all going to be on for fantasy purposes. And then I heard Jack mention it, uh, Jarvis Landry. Coming off a great year, two good years really with the franchise in terms of just his production and involvement. They seem to really like him. Why wouldn't you? He's been yeah, exactly. great for you at this point. He seems to genuinely enjoy it. And so you got four guys right off the top. Then you got your dark horse candidates like David and Joku. Can he come back and bounce back? Tight end is so bad that he's going to be on people's radar for 2020. So that's, that's the biggest one to me is what can the Browns do? Second place is the Cowboys because you have a similar number of, uh, of relevant players there. Zeke is Zeke. I can't imagine that changing too much, but you still are going to have, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Cooper. Is he going to be back? You got Gallup and whoever's going to be playing tight end for them, but it's just not quite as impactful. I don't think you can screw it up. You know what I mean? As much potential for failure as there isn't with that Browns potential for failure, particularly if they give it to Mike McCarthy. We've seen that movie before. Jason, man, he brought it. it, It's probably going to be the Browns and I can also make a case for the Cowboys, but I'm most excited for the Panthers. Yeah. It's just the fact that they have all those weapons that are going to be there. You have DJ Moore. You still have CMC. Whether they bring back Cameron or not, there's plenty of talent that they can pick up in the draft that will be fine. That will probably be an upgrade from Kyle Allen or any of the other fools that they have there. And they have the most chance for growth. I just think that's a solid organization, and they have ownership that wants to lead them in the right direction. So... Beyond that, I I, that, I also think enemy is one of the hotter choices for the Browns as well in comparison because Baker Mayfield, yeah. for example, Eric Bieniemy, yeah, he has the that Kansas kind of City a, offensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah. So, just my two cents. Uh, just just to go out, you know, off the wall a little bit. I'm surprised nobody went Giants because that's my pick. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got Daniel Jones going into the second year. Uh, with him as the starting quarterback, they've already committed to him as a starting quarterback. They're keeping Gettleman, which is hilarious. Uh, so you got more Dave Gettleman experience. You still have three more years of Golden Tate. You have uh, Darius Slayton coming off a strong rookie season. Hopefully Evan Ingram can finally stay healthy. There's a lot of guys on that offense that can be big-time fantasy producers next season if you put the right guy in charge. So I think that's one that we definitely have to monitor and keep that's a close fair. eye on. You didn't mention even Sterling Shepard. And he that's actually true. has value as well. That, so that, that's is, a good that point. is completely true as well. That's a good point. I'm just more worried about their defense. Like, that's why I wasn't mentioning on this, because their defense... Yeah, but I mean, I care more from a fantasy perspective about what are their skill position guys and what's the coach going to do. If they bring in a defensive-minded head coach, that's going to concern me. But I feel like if it's an offensive guy who's going to try to mold Daniel Jones and become a more high-powered, high-passing offense, that could be really interesting for the guys that they've got. Sure. I mean, if you bring in, you got to figure it's the same thing with the Browns, right? Anybody who's interviewing for that job, yeah. first question, what is your plan for our franchise quarterback? And anybody who's interviewing, I would hope, would have to say, well, we're going to clean up that fumbling problem. <laughs> and here's how we're going to do it. Yep. That would be the biggest thing with Daniel Jones, getting that under control. So I, 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 that's fair. I don't, I don't, dis, I don't necessarily disagree with anything you say. They're going to tell him to start wearing gloves. <laughs> you know what? Just one glove. Yeah, that's right. Just, just the one. one. Yep. Just the and one. it's sequined. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I've seen people activate this machine a thousand times. That's why I built this time machine. McBoing, boing, glaive, and fly the highway guy. My time machine has worked. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is 
Cincinnati by 200 points. Bye, you worthless hunk of junk. Hot Take Time Machine. Going through our hottest takes of the offseason. So with the wrap-up of the regular season, we do have to go back and celebrate all of our takes, both the good and the bad that we made throughout the summer. And so oh, I we're didn't gonna... agree to bad. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. Ooh, wow. Okay. Well, we're going to need uh, some time. I've got to rewrite this whole segment then. No, 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 no. Leave it in. Leave it in. Full disclosure oh. here. All right. All right. But we will start off with some good. We'll, we'll lobby an easy one to start. How about that? Is that all right with you, Steve? I guess. All right. So starting off the easiest way we can possibly go. RB1, Christian McCaffrey. You guys nailed it. Michael Thomas, you had him at wide receiver two. He ends up as the wide receiver one. Are you guys sticking with that same process going into tw- uh, the process of going with those like two guys? I mean, yeah, I think at this point, if you're projecting out an early top 10, they're probably one and two because they're going to be the most reliable guys you can take off the board. Uh, but it's the same process. I have a ton of stats about those two individuals for later on. So a little bit of foreshadowing for you. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure we'll talk about those two gentlemen more further, but in terms of process, yeah, uh, the process of how we arrived at, at those two at the top of the tree will also largely remain unchanged. So uh, as we get into April, we'll be doing, uh, with your input this year actually as well, we'll be doing uh, our consensus and projections and all that stuff as we get closer to it. But I agree with Steve. Both of those two guys are going to project to probably be one and two in the preseason rankings, something like that, because of just consistency and what you can expect. But with Michael Thomas, who's going to be the quarterback of the Saints? You know what I mean? That's why we got to reproject everybody every year. Didn't matter with Teddy Bridge. Not really. Nope. Didn't matter. Uh, so moving on from that uh, to players that you guys really did not like coming into this uh, this season, I remember hearing you guys saying you hated both Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Was that just a sophomore slump kind of thing you guys were projecting or what, why were you both so down on uh, Darnold and Allen? I never believed Allen would be able to repeat the rushing production. I'm wrong about that, which is fine. We know that now moving forward, but never in my life did I believe that you were going to see him run like that twice across the season. Never. I thought the league would adjust to it. I kind of had the opposite look on it is Josh Allen. I figured the rushing would probably be there, but that was it. I didn't buy into what he had around him, him actually passing the ball. And John Brown surprised me a lot this year and shame on me for doubting Cole Beasley in the preseason. I turned that around about Thanksgiving, but (laughs) boy, boy, was I wrong on that in the preseason. If you were listening to us, you probably didn't roster Cole Beasley in any leagues, and we were not correct about that. <laughs> that was incorrect. You didn't have to listen to us on that. I mean, Cole Beasley wasn't rostered for basically the entire season. Yep. And, and he finished top 30. It's really funny that you guys say that, too, because, you know, compared to consensus, you guys were actually pretty high on Cole Beasley. He was consensus 92. Steve, you had him at 72. And Neil, you had him at 65. So you guys really didn't hate Beasley as much as you think. Yeah, but it's still... 72 when he uh, finished like top 30. I still yeah. feel like I hated him way more than I should have. 65 but I guess compared even, to everybody no, else, yeah. Yeah, comparatively sure. I'll take that. That's nice, but still I still feel like I missed the boat on it cuz I'm 30 spots wrong. That's two standard deviations in my world. That's too much. You can't be that you can't have that kind of variance. So we're going back to the lab on that one and trying to see trying to see where the analysis broke down on that one. So are you changing your opinion on both Darnold and Allen? Are both of them rising? Is one of them staying the same, or are they both staying? Uh, Allen will get better in the rankings next year. Darnold probably won't. Darnold will stay in the waiver ad slash streamer for bye weeks area as he's going to be probably for the next couple of years for me. That That's how I feel about it, too. Allen's going to take an uptick from where he was uh, going into this year. Going into next year, he'll be rated higher. But Darnold probably won't be too much higher significantly because that stretch of good games he had came against like the worst teams in the league. And I know you can't really fault him for mono, but he missed all those games. And then think about the rookies that are coming in and then guys like Kyler Murray who were down in that neighborhood. And it's like, what do you do with that? He's going into his second year. He had a, he had a better season than Darnold. So I think because of attrition and things like that, Darnold's not going to get moved as much. 
Very, very fair take there. Uh, but speaking of quarterback and guys moving up, guys moving down, Philip Rivers, uh, Steve, he was your QB 10. Neil, your QB 12. Did you guys think that he was going to see this steep of a decline? Clearly not. But like, was that even on your radar? Or did, Steve, did you just think it was business as always on Rivers? And will that change going forward? Phil Rivers has historically been our guy. Uh, we, as a group, have always been higher on Phil Rivers than the consensus. More often than not, we've been right on that. This year, we were not. So I feel like that's kind of just the law of averages catching up with us. I feel like yeah, we've gone to the bank on that so many times. So he's normally my ten. He's normally Steve's ten. Just about for the last five years, I'd say if you broke it down four out of five years, that's where you'd have found him. And industry, he's three to four spots lower on average, at least. So we're usually higher on him, and usually it bears out even with the inflated interception numbers. But personally, no, I did not expect him. That is baked into my rankings. I normally have him at 10. I had him at 12. So I was expecting a slide, but I wasn't expecting a cliff that he went off of. No, that was a bit that was a bit strong, a bit steep. Sometimes age catches up to you and does funny things. Another sometimes player that... Sometimes your whole O-line gets hurt, Jack, and sometimes your whole O-line gets hurt. Also that, also that. <laughs> but... Uh, when you are talking about guys at that kind of age apex, you know, right at that clip where you don't know how they're going to go anymore. Uh, Julian Edelman. So he's getting up there in age. He's slow, but slowed down. He's been banged up with injuries, but you guys loved him anyways. Uh, Steve, he was your wide receiver seven. Neil, your wide receiver six. Everyone had him going the fourth, fifth, sometimes even sixth round. They just did not believe in Julian Edelman. And he's finished as a top five wide receiver. Uh, is that going to change for you in 2020, Neil? Or is it just, just going to depend on what the Patriots end up looking like? Yeah, who's the quarterback? Is it Tom Brady? Is it the same offense, more or less? In that case, then he probably will enjoy... Do they do anything about tight end? Because that was the whole thing, was <clears throat> Gronk is gone. And then all those targets have to go somewhere. And so I was able to extrapolate out in the preseason. Well, it's 1,300 yards and like six touchdowns when Gronk's not on the field. And that's about right. But yeah, to your point, another year, another round of injuries. He's beat up again for this playoff run. And their team has looked appreciably a little bit worse than what we've seen over the last several years. So he probably won't be in the top six for me again next year. But let's assume the team is the same and they don't address tight end and Tom Brady is still the quarterback. He'd probably be like eight, nine, 10. Uh, for me, he's going to be outside the top 10. Uh, they're going to have a whole off season with Muhammad Sanu under contract. Uh, Nikhil Harry coming back. Jacoby Myers coming back guys. They have to get more involved guys that have to get more reps in the off season, whether it's Brady or not, whether Josh McDaniels takes a, a head coaching job somewhere, which is a, a hot topic as usual. If if the whole thing, like you said, comes back exactly as it is right now, Brady hasn't looked great. Yes, Julian Edelman is his favorite guy, but he has been force-fed the ball this season, and as much as I appreciated it since I owned Julian Edelman as much as I possibly could, and we were right on that in the preseason, his body is breaking down at an alarming rate right now because he cannot take it anymore. He's not and designed I feel to take like, those level of shots. He's yeah, I feel like if they try shots. to do that again next season, he's only going to last a couple of weeks. And it's going to be something I'm going to steer clear of. Yeah, well, and hopefully with Nikhil Harry and with Mohamed Sanu, it does alleviate some of the pressure on him. Yeah, but somebody then has to step up and be the two. I hope exactly. it's Nikhil Harry. That would be great. That would be absolutely great. Um, He's so fun to watch. Speaking of the number two wide receiver, uh, Dante Moncrief, remember him? Yeah, that didn't pan out. He was completely (laughs) phased out by Deontay (laughs) Johnson. Uh, That was bad. I don't think we really need to dive too much into him. But we do want to talk about James Washington. Uh, Steve, you really like James Washington. He was your wide receiver 49. Neil, you had him all the way down at wide receiver 71. Uh, are are you going to change anything going forward? Obviously you thought that Moncrief would be the guy there. Uh, what about James Washington? Do you think the Steelers passing offense can still support, uh, Deontay Juju and James Washington, or are you going to be back out on him again this year? Oh no, I'm going right back to being back out on him. I don't care for James Washington, the football player. I've yet to see him do anything that I would deem as spectacular or noteworthy or like consistently just be consistently good. He's had a couple flashes on some crazy like Duck Hodges passes and some Mason Rudolph nonsense. That's all fine. I'm when it goes back to Roethlisberger, he and Roethlisberger have famously had zero chemistry. 
So we're going back to Roethlisberger next year. Deontay Johnson is establishing himself. If they can get anything going with Deontay Johnson, I think that's your two. And then maybe James Washington can have some value late for you as like a flex. I doubt I'll have him as low as 71, but I'm not suddenly going to dramatically change my opinion of him just because he had a couple of good games. Where are you on James Washington heading into this year? Are you back as high on him or is he kind of fading with the question? I mean, high is a relative term. I feel like he's going to end up probably in the same 49 to 60 range back in there in the 50s somewhere. I think Deontay Johnson, to Neil's point, is going to end up as my two. I have said on many occasions to anyone that will listen that Juju Smith-Schuster is my steal of the draft next year that everybody's going to be out on it, that everybody's going to completely overlook it. He's going to end up being, in my opinion, DeAndre Hopkins from a couple years ago when everybody was just taking into account, oh, he looked terrible with Blake Blake Osweiler because he never threw to him. So I think it's going to be the same thing here. He's getting Roethlisberger back. He's going to go right back to being top 10 type talent, and he's going to be going in the 20s at wide receiver it's going to be an absolute bargain. It's going to be similar to that Julian Edelman thing from last year that we were talking about, where it's like yeah. everybody's going to downgrade him and we're going to sit there and just make hay on it. I absolutely love that you guys went to Juju because he was the next player I was going to ask about. Uh, Neil, he was your wide receiver three. Steve, he was your wide receiver four. You both loved him. And clearly you're just chalking it up to a lost season, bad quarterback play without yep. Roethlisberger. Blow injuries. We're just writing it off because that's what I'm ready to do. I'm, I'm still pretty much do. writing off a lot of that. Yeah, I'm writing I it probably off will not have him back as high as four. Yeah, he's not going to be you that. three for me. He won't be three for but me. But I'll bet you I'll have him right but around top ten. He'll be, we'll be higher on him as a unit than just about anybody in the industry, I would care to guess. Unless you're like on some sort of Steelers blog that does fantasy rankings. Because... He won't be at three, but he's going to be super high. And to avoid the bias, so if you're avoiding the bias, then you're good. I think he's going to end up in the twenties as far as like an industry consensus ranking. Which to me, he's probably going to be at like ten, twelve, something like that. So it's like a total league winner. I'm excited for uh, this season from him, uh, Neil. You weren't so excited this season on uh, Derrick Henry. You had kind of soured a little bit on him. I know you still loved the talent, but it was the role that you had you a little bit worried. You had him down at running back twenty. I Neil, didn't believe in the front office. I didn't believe in the coaching. It's my fault. It's fair. I go, year, I go back to the year prior with my giant love letter to Derrick Henry. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Uh, disappointing. You broke faith and he ended up burning you. Of course. Not because of, of him. Not because of him, but because they actually finally got somebody in the chair, an offensive coordinator and head coach who were like, so, which is what I've been saying for years, which is so just give him the ball 23 times a game. God, he's going to look and, so good in a Texans uniform next year. Ugh. It's probably going to happen. He's an unrestricted free agent, Jack. How did that happen? How did the Titans let this happen to themselves? Where they got to figure out now Derrick Henry coming off those the last six games of the season prior, and then this season, he's an unrestricted free agent, and they have not enough money. And they have That's, to pay Tannehill, too. So they have to figure out those both of those massive contracts. To Steve's, to Steve's point, we were breaking it down. The Texans have the most money to spend in free agency by a good margin. So it is a, re- a real thing that it is possible that Derrick Henry could be in a Texans uniform. In, the only in, running uh, back under contract is Duke Johnson. So if that is the case, that he does go to the Texans, uh, Steve, are you going to have him higher than RB14, which you had him going into this season? Top five, probably. Right around top five, top six. He'll be in that neighborhood because of the opportunity. He'll be the guy. Bad O-line doesn't really matter, as we've seen from him, because he's a bulldozer with a jersey. Yeah, so it just doesn't really matter. And th- and you're telling me that in that situation with Deshaun, at quarterback, and Nuke on the outside, and some combination of Will Fuller and Kenny Stills on the other outside, and Randall Cobb being signed in free agency to be your new slot, because that's – write that down. Just jot that Put down. Put it down. Put it down uh, just jot that down. And then Austin Hooper being your tight end, that that offense isn't like the number Write one that down as well. in football. You're telling me that those things don't happen that turns into – it's the Zeke scenario that I go through with the Cowboys. They have so many ways to beat you, and he's one of them. So you can drop a guy down in the box to stop that, and they'll start carving you up somewhere else, and then eventually they got to move that guy back out, and then it's just Derrick Henry time because nobody wants to tackle him that 15th time because it hurts. It looks like it's really, really painful. It does not look like fun. 
Uh, what will be fun, though, is watching Derrick Henry. Not so much playing against him, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him in 2020 and going forward. A player who was not fun to watch at the start of the season, and you guys both loved, Joe Mixon, you had up at RB9. You did drop him a little bit, heading right at, before the preseason, thanks to the O-line injuries. And for the first little bit of the season, it looked like he was a complete bust. But then by the end of the year, Joe Mixon completely turned it around. And did he end up being what you wanted him to be, Steve? Uh, what was my preseason rank on Joe Mixon? Uh, RB9, and then you dropped him to about RB15. Uh, he finished at 13. So I'm going to go with yes. Especially with that uh, hot it. end to the season, too. Oh, gotta love it. He was yeah. the one bright spot to an otherwise dismal, dismal, dismal Bengals team. All right, and so now for the hottest of hot takes, Steve, Aaron Jones. RB23 in the preseason. Neil, RB25. Finished at RB3 in points per game. But when you look at the big picture, does that change anything, Steve? I'm sure it doesn't for you. Does you're not. Fired. Not at all. You're, you're fired, Jack, for doing this to us on this shit. Uh, uh, no, it's not going to change a whole lot for me either. He's probably not going to be as low as 25, but I think he'll he's go up. Be, he'll be in the mid teens. I think he's going to be a consensus top five, if not top 10 type of deal top 10 to top five, something like that for most outlets next year. And I don't think either Steve or I are going to be touching that with a 10 foot pole, because if you want to talk about things that are likely to regress, go just Google Aaron Jones touchdowns. Cause that's so Aaron to Neil's I really, point, really doubt it. Aaron Jones leads all running backs with 19 touchdowns, all skill position players with 19 touchdowns. All right. How's that working out for other guys to get that week? Right? 17 was the only week of the season that he failed to score and also made it as a startable running back. The other five weeks when he didn't uh, make it in the end zone, he was not usable. He was less than a bench player. Five weeks as an R- as a bench player, four weeks as an RB2, seven as an RB1. If you're going to spend a first or second round pick on that, good luck to you. You're going to be sad when you don't get all those touchdowns that you need to make that work. Remember that time Eric Ebron scored a ton of touchdowns and then like killed you the next year? I remember that. Remember the time Alvin Kamara scored a ton of touchdowns and then was RB12 in last <laughs> season because he didn't get those touchdowns at the same number? I remember that too. And, Aaron, and I think Alvin Kamara is twice the player Aaron Jones is. Wow, why are you insulting Alvin Kamara like that? I almost said three times. Maybe I should have gone with four. You should have gone four. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's one of the biggest regression markers that I can think of going into next year for fantasy football. Love it. Love the fiery speech from Steve. Love the opinions. And we're going to end this on a little bit of a lighter note. Eric Ebron. He was never going to be the Colts tight end one. Uh, it didn't happen before the injury. He got hurt, quit on the team. Uh, Steve, can he become a tight end one moving forward, moving on from the Colts, or are we just completely done with Eric Ebron? It depends on the scenario. I, I mean, I at this point last year, I would have said, who the hell is Darren Waller? So if you're in the right system, yeah, Eric Ebron could absolutely end up as a top 10 play again. That's just how tight end works, though. If you're not one of the big three, it's all about touchdown production and getting the opportunity. So, depending on where he lands, he absolutely has a chance, but I just, I still find Jack- it hard to believe. Yeah. I find it hard to believe as well. The only scenario have him I behind Jack see, Doyle? Well, I don't think he's going to be on that team, so probably. Well, he's not going to be on the team, on, but I mean, yeah. you're talking about ranking behind Jack Doyle. Yeah, probably. absolutely. More than likely. It would depend on where he lands, to Steve's point. The only one that immediately comes to mind that I think would make sense, that maybe he'd have a shot Tampa Bay, OJ Howard gets hurt or something. And it's just Ebron out there in the Tampa Bay uh, offense. I mean, it looks maybe, maybe that. To what I, I was saying know. before, the Giants. You know, if he ends up sure. being with the Giants and Evan Ingram is still hurt, then you've got Ebron to step in and do basically what Rhett Ellison was doing the second half of the season. Well, that's a good point. So anywhere he, he could go anywhere and somebody gets hurt, and then maybe. You know what I mean? Like if he ended up in San Francisco. Yep. And Kittle goes down. Sure, maybe. Moral of the story. This year, he was not the guy. And if you drafted him, you got burned for it. But neither of you two got burned for it. 
No, we were loudly telling anyone in the universe who would listen to our any of our opinions that for the love of God, please don't draft Eric Ebron. That's a terrible choice. Take anything else and yeah, well, apparently we don't yell loud enough just yet. And now for some reckless speculation. You're engaged in speculation. That is reckless speculation. Speculation 101, perhaps? That's speculation. That is completely reckless. Is reckless. And this is just speculation? What's the deal with all this reckless speculation? On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Jerry. Hello. That is just a bunch of reckless speculation. You know, for our end-of-season awards, I had, you know, no reason to use reckless speculation other than I just really liked the drop, needed to play it one more time this year. Just right off into the sunset with it. I think we can all agree that that's the best way to go. Uh, so we've compiled uh, a list here of award winners from the 2019 fantasy football season. We will go through them top to bottom, starting with, well, I guess the bottom, because least valuable player. Who was the biggest bust or player that cost you your league? I mean, there's a lot of people that could go into the discussion here. Jack, who do you have as the least valuable player for 2019? Uh, So for me, it absolutely has to be David Johnson. Uh, For me, he was the go-to guy once the top four running backs, DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Devontae Adams were off the board, sometimes Michael Thomas, depending on the format. But after that, I was gobbling him up every time. And, you know, he was hurt, so I will give him that little bit of a write-off. But even then, he still only missed three games, and he was active for plenty of games, and just they may as well have healthy scratched him. The fact that they kept him in the lineup and they didn't put him either on IR, they didn't hold him out. The fact that he was active every week and you couldn't even pick up, put him on your IR slot and pick up someone else, absolutely burns you he ended up as the rb 37 overall rb 29 in points per game and for a first round pick even with a bad back and i will write it off a little bit off to injury still absolute bust completely killed me yeah wasn't even the top running back on his own team by the end of the season uh neil who do you have for least valuable player Oh, see, you made some really good points jack he was on my list uh but in the end i came down to three guys and I had to give it to Mr. Antonio Brown. Because for yep. most people, you were spending a second round pick on it. And you got nothing but a giant headache. And he just ruined you, except for you got one Patriots game that you probably didn't even get to use. You probably didn't even play him. So you just got literal nothing. It became completely untradeable very quickly. And it just completely roasted your second round pick. And I would have given it to David Johnson if he wouldn't have been hurt. But because Antonio Brown did all of this without having any physical injury, uh, I got to give it to him. Just total season killer. You got nothing out of it. And now he's pretty much out of league and Frank out of the league. And we frankly, we should all known that something was going on when he dyed his mustache. That was the giveaway. Uh, Jason, what do you have? Well, I mean, they both are good points, but I'm actually going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, a lot of people were taking him as the sixth wide receiver, 14th player off the board, and he ended up as wide receiver 65. And he was healthy for most of those games until like the last part of the year and was just atrocious. So the 148-point difference from wide receiver six uh, 65 is definitely a pain. That's a fair point. I can't argue with that. Uh, My pick, I am with Neil Antonio Brown. Uh, Everything that he mentioned, honorable mention, I had to throw A.J. Green on there. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. He was a sixth-round ADP. Uh, He was hurt. It was supposed to be two to four weeks. He never played a game. Uh, Sat on your bench basically every week hoping that he would come back because he never went to IR until it was way too late. Week 16. Uh, Yeah, also Dante Pettis. Ninth-round draft pick, finished as wide receiver, 134. (laughs) Hate to see that. And then uh, how about Josh Gordon? ADP, sixth-round, 65 overall, finished behind the likes of Alan Hearns, Ted Ginn, Willie Sneed, Ola B.C. Johnson, Alex Erickson, and half a season of Preston Williams. (laughs) So there you go. Half a season of Preston Williams. Oh, pour one out for poor Preston Williams. Ah. I can't wait to see him back next year. Man, I thought for sure he's going for with a victory lap for uh, Tyreek Hill here. I mean, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, injury did play slightly into it, but I was 100% right on that. 
I, I also Jack, come on, that couldn't be in Hot Take Time Machine. How dare you? <laughs> well, I mean, Too your easy. take was that he was going to be suspended. That was uh, the biggest thing you had going yeah, that's on. Fair. So. I mean, but I still was right, wasn't I? Oh, you were absolutely <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how I got there. I got uh, there. That's yeah. trust the process. By the way, speaking of Josh Gordon, I voted for him for the All Bus Team as one of my as one of our wide receivers. Also, uh, referencing that Baker Mayfield. Uh, made my list for this category. Oh, yeah. He didn't win it, but Baker Mayfield was on my list because woof. That's a good one. Top, yeah, boy, top five QB. Yep. Boy, did that hurt you. You got nothing out of that except pain. We tried to warn you. All right, let's switch over to rookie of the year. A lot of very good rookies this season. Uh, a lot more than I actually expected. There's a ton to choose from. Uh, Jason, who do you have for rookie of the year this season? And now for some reckless speculation. You're engaged in speculation. That is reckless speculation. Ah. Speculation Ah. one. All right, go ahead, Jason. Who do you got for rookie of the year? (laughs) Just had to hear it a third time. Just got to get that in one more time before the season's over. He liked it so much. He had to play it again. Um, Man, that's going to be a tough one. I'm actually going to go with Miles Sanders here. Just because, you know, RB 15 on the year. He had 10 games, over 10 points, four of those games being over 20 points. He was that player that you needed, especially in the playoffs. And yeah, finished really strong. Yeah, and that's what you wanted. I mean, yep. with Howard finally getting, hopefully, knocked out and won't be an issue for him moving forward, I think that he will also take a good jump next year as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. I have him on my list here a little bit later for somebody to talk about as uh, one of those buy low people. But Devin Singletary, as we talked about in the preseason, he was somebody that you didn't really want to draft too high or own early in the year, but would be a great candidate to own at the end of the season when he'd finally get the job. He was RB49 the first half of the year, RB18 the second half. So yeah, Miles Sanders is a good choice. Jack, who do you have for rookie of the year? As much as I love Miles Sanders, everyone knows how in on Miles Sanders I am and always have been. I'm actually going to go a little bit off the board here. I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin because, uh, yeah, AJ AJ Brown was a monster. Josh Jacobs was a monster. Miles Sanders was a monster by the end of the season. But you had to, actually had to pay up for Josh Jacobs and you had to pay up for Miles Sanders. And AJ Brown for weeks one to ten, he was wide receiver fifty. Meanwhile, McLaurin he was wide wide receiver twenty eight in that span. And at the end of the season, Brown finished wide receiver twenty three. Scary Terry finished just behind him at twenty five. So Brown had the better overall season, but for the first little bit, he wasn't really helping you. Terry McLaurin helped you make the playoffs, and then he really helped you in the playoffs too. He had a good end of the year. So I'm going with the uh, surprise off the wall candidate with Terry McLaurin big fan of what i saw from him this year i like that no i like that because it kind of runs contrary to who my selection was actually because my selection is aj brown all right <laughs> and i thought um, you were going to take the josh jacobs victory lap that's no, interesting. No, 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 no 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 we'll do that later we'll do that we'll do that later but uh at some point before the show's over but no no no. i actually went with aj brown for rookie of the year because from my end i think we watched something special happen with him where i think the game slowed down for him within his rookie year and the, the change in quarterback really helped. But by the end of the year, A.J. Brown has started to really come on and develop into what I think is going to be like a truly special player that we're going to watch for as long as he can stay healthy. Because the things he can do with the ball, Scary Terry might have made catch of the year, by the way. So I know who I'm talking about is my competition with the uh, crazy one-handed touchdown he pulled off in week 16. Uh, but A.J. Brown has been special. He had he was three for 60 in his score, rushing the ball when they couldn't play Derrick Henry in week 16. He was just an absolute monster with all the terrible quarterback play and him being a rookie. He was able to overcome that basically down the back half, which is when, frankly, people were really more interested in him. And it was more his playoff run where he was able to really solidify it for me because he helped you win your league. Like he didn't get to 23 by having a good year all around. But he he was somebody right. that people were picking up off waivers, for God's sake. He was almost my waiver ad of the year, <laughs> frankly. Right. Like, so he, uh, for me, he edged out Scary Terry and, and Jacobs and just about everybody else because of just how, just frankly, amazing he looked down the stretch and what I think his ceiling is going to be. Plus, I think he probably helped you win your league with some of those 40s he was throwing down towards the end. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, a deep rookie class. You had Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, uh, Scary Terry, DK Metcalf, uh, Darius Slayton, who had a few big weeks there in the middle. Uh, I have to put in the honorable mention for Preston Williams. Uh, Daniel uh, Jones, Hollywood Brown. who ended up getting that job way earlier than any of us thought. Kyler Murray, who exceeded uh, all of our expectations. My honorable mention My honorable mention for rookie of the year was Kyler Murray. Because he uh, ended up I had him as well. Yeah. He had a and very nice season. Josh Jacobs was the only 1,000-yard rusher among the rookies. You paid ADP running back 17 to get it, though. So why he didn't win. Why he, AJ why he Brown right is my there. selection as well for rookie of the year. He was the only thousand yard receiver in the class. He tied with Darius Slayton for the most rookie touchdowns with eight. He went undrafted, was going as wide receiver 80. You could have had him for free. Uh, he finished the year as wide receiver 21, like Jack mentioned. With Marcus Mariota, he was wide receiver 52. After Tannehill took over from that point on, he was wide receiver seven. So AJ Brown absolutely came out of nowhere to dominate the second half of the season it will be very interesting trying to rank him going into 2020 all right going back to the veterans now after talking about the rookies who is your comeback player of the year neil well we shouted him out in our uh our all underrated team that we put together but comeback player of the year for me austin eckler what a season for austin eckler just relative to what you had to put in versus what you received. I mean, just completely unbelievable what he was able to put together just as a returning veteran and everybody, you know, moved him up with the Zeke, uh, excuse me, with the Melvin Gordon holdout. But he, <laughs> he was able to have, he was able to have 600 rushing yards. He was able to have like 900 passing yards and just completely stepped up. You could have had him in the fourth or fifth round. I mean, they just, Frankly, he blew away everybody in the industry's expectations of what he could do. And he, too, just like A.J. Brown, is going to be fascinating to try and rank for next year. That's a good one. Uh, Jason, who do you have for comeback player of the year? Oh, man, I like Eckler as an option because he was RB27 and ended up as RB3. Yeah. But uh, with that said, I'm, I'm looking at quarterback here, and I'm going with Dak Prescott because taking his pretty much a free agent you could get him first week yeah he was going qb 17 yeah and and it has qb2 like it's not what you want but he he did a heck of a job and i mean i was surprised at his numbers and i never would have even thought that he would be that high and so um but yeah so he he'd be my comeback player you're not crazy, Jason. He was my honorable mention. I was the highest of everybody on Dak going into the going into this season. So no, you're not crazy. Like Dak Dak deserves it for what he was able to wring out of that, despite all the turmoil as well, especially with yeah. the front office and all that nonsense. Uh Jack, who do you have? So I do like both of those options quite a bit, both great options. But for me, it's got to be, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the guy who turned around AJ Brown's season, Ryan Tannehill. He was left for dead he was not being drafted because he wasn't a starting quarterback he was a complete draft bust in real life completely written off except for surprisingly by you two you guys uh it did get cut from hot take time machine but uh both of you were actually hyping him up in the preseason as someone who could elevate mariota's not good shock (laughs) yeah we said we said take a late round flyer it was worth a shot because if he got the job he'd be good Exactly. And that's why for me, he's the comeback player of the year because just outside of you guys, he was written off as not a starting quarterback. And here we are, not only a viable uh, starting quarterback in real life, but just a fantasy star. Yeah, to your point, uh, I had him on my honorable mentions as well. Went undrafted after taking over the job fully in week seven. He was QB three in fantasy the rest of the year. So absolutely Ryan Tannehill is a great choice. Uh, you have, of course, Roheem Mostert, Jack's <laughs> favorite guy. Uh, I mean, finished oh. the season as RB26. So that that's a very interesting one to me. I've got uh, Tyler Higby on the list as well. Was tight end 38 in ADP, finished as 8. Uh, Jameis made the list, QB 14 in ADP, but top 5 finish. I was surprised nobody went Devontae Parker after the end to his season and having a pretty decent year uh, throughout, even You're though he's going ahead. <clears throat> foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. Foreshadowing. But uh, my comeback player of the year is second year player, 
DJ Chark, doot, 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 doot. <laughs> DJ going undrafted at wide receiver 103, finished the season wide receiver 17 despite an injury at the end of the year. Uh, leading up to that injury that he sustained in week 14, he was wide receiver 8. So uh, DJ oh, Chark in his second I season. I thought you were going to say despite the best efforts of the Jacksonville quarterbacks. Oh. Despite the ma- the mustache of Gardner Minshew that's, that's what I and, the, and the horrible arm of Nick Foles, <laughs> DJ Chark is my comeback player of the year. All right, so let's move on to uh, well, waiver I ad. One more in. You okay. want, all right, you got another you, honorable. It mention. has to be Allen Robinson, you guys. Wide receiver taken. Wide receiver twenty nine. That, that's a good one. He was my honorable mention. Wide receiver eight. Come on, that was my actual honorable. You, you and I have a lot him. of the. Uh, uh, he was number three on the podium. There you yeah, go. that's a good one. I okay. like it. Just wanted to make sure you got in there because I thought that's he was fair. That's a good one, especially despite the best efforts of Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, and the Chicago offense. So, uh, waiver ad of the year, Jason. Who do you have? Man, it's going. We talked about it already. It's Devonte Parker. He finished as wide receiver eleven. You were able to pick him up pretty much whenever you wanted because nobody wanted to pick him up. There is more weeks than not that I was saying, "Oh, he'd be a good plug and play here. We can." Do a start sit with him and he'll be fine. And he was always available. Like he blew us all away with his numbers, and Fitzpatrick just fell in love with him, and it worked out great for the team. They, I mean, shockingly, just beat the Patriots. So why not? Uh, Jack, who do you have for waiver ad of the year? Uh, so this is actually pretty funny because my waiver ad of the year is DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. There it is. For the exact same reasons you said. Uh, he was undrafted, but then uh, right before week one, and I had already drafted at this point, I started hearing a little bit of rumblings that DJ Chark might be pretty popular in Jacksonville. So I added him on two teams. And after his week one performance, I added him absolutely everywhere. And then he could carry you just for the entire season. Like you said, just dominated ended the fantasy season as a top wide receiver and going forward with whoever he has that quarterback, he might still be successful. So he's a guy that carried me to a lot of fantasy playoffs and I'm very happy with DJ Chark. Neil. Well, and for me, it's Ryan Tannehill. For all the reasons that we talked about before. (laughs) We're just going to shuffle the same guys in all these categories, aren't we? Because Ryan Tannehill had fallen by the end of the pre-draft so far that despite Steve and I advice that he was worth a flyer, he was just on waivers. And if you picked him up by week seven, which you could have this year with all the quarterback injuries, with everybody getting hurt, people's quarterbacks were dropping like flies at the beginning of the season, you very easily could have picked up Ryan Tannehill. And he was QB three. And this is why we always tell you to wait on quarterback, by the way, people. This is the new other example. We have plenty of examples. Add this one to the list. Ryan Tannehill, waiver head of the year. Uh, for me, I went back to the well on A.J. Brown for all the reasons that I listed out before. You could have had him for pretty much nothing up until week seven. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he was wide receiver seven the rest of the way. He was my guy. Also, honorable mentions, I had D.J. Chark, Tyler Higby, and Darren Waller, who I was surprised yeah. didn't get a lot of love on this one. But, yes, he was a big waiver ad. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have an honorable mention to throw in there? Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Raheem Mostert. Okay, so yeah, guys, we've talked <laughs> about guys. We've, yes, already all, we've yeah. all kind of touched we've on already, it, but yeah. touched on them. All right, all right. How about buy low of the year, guys that struggled in the first half that you could have traded for for pretty much nothing, and then they ended up being a big time league winner for you. Let's go with uh, Neil to kick this one off. Jarvis Landry, baby, juice. Oh, bless him, bless him. What a brutal start to the year. Bless him. And what a finish. <laughs> Just. Yep. Started as wide receiver uh, 34, finished wide receiver three in the second half. Yep. So yeah, Just he was on fire. my mention list for sure. Caught fire. Total league winner. You could have got him for virtually nothing at the, at, at the right point in time at the beginning of the season. After about four or five games, you could have got him for literal pennies. And he could have carried you all the way to the top. Uh, Jack, who do you have for the buy low of the year? Uh, So for the buy low of the year, I have one of my favorite players in fantasy football, Miles Sanders, because remember, everyone was in on the Jordan Howard hype train. Oh, Jordan Howard gets all the touchdowns, all the goal line work. And so Miles Sanders completely left for dead. No one had any interest in him. And obviously it's not predictable, but 
Jordan Howard got injured and Miles Sanders got the whole workload. I didn't see that happening. I saw Miles Sanders slowly getting more and more throughout the season because he's so electric. I thought he would earn those touches. And I ended up being lucky that it was all thrown on its plate at once. But thankfully it was because he was the RB6 in week 13. And if you're good enough to have a bye in the playoffs, it didn't really matter to you. But he still did put up over 10 points. And then RB3 in week 15 and RB7 in the championship, he really came on strong at the end of the year. And you could have him for pretty much nothing because he was Jordan Howard's backup. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason, who do you have for buy low of the year? Well, I'm... I'm torn because I got a really good deal on Michael Thomas being able to trade Singletary and Shark for him. And so that's not a buy low though. That's you just, just someone brag being an about idiot. Your team. You just want to brag You're about just Michael bragging Thomas. Bragging about your trades. This isn't the spirit of the show. <laughs> but with that in mind, I went DeAndre Hopkins. He had a rough patch. People were trying to sell him, and it he ended up being wide receiver five and. He, of course, went back to the norm and did an awesome job. And so I don't understand why people were so worried when he has such a good track record, but people always worry about the weirdest thing. So if you were able to pick him up. He probably carried you a lot. Uh, so I'm going to go, boy, there was a lot of ways you could have gone here. Jared Cook was tight end 24 at one point, finished the season uh, tight end four. Uh, Drew Brees was basically free for anyone that wanted him. And he finished the year quarterback seven, the second half of the season. Uh, you know, most stare, of course. Uh, remember, there was a point in time when people were asking, is Zach Ertz done? Are they just going to give the job to Dallas Goddard? He was tight end seven at that point. He finished tight end two down the stretch. Uh, but my pick's Devontae Parker. I mean, Joe Mixon was my guy. Absolutely a fantastic buy low. He was running back 31 the first half, finished RB 13 the second half. But Parker, for all the reasons we talked about, when Preston Williams was playing in the first half of the season, he was wide receiver 36. The last half of the season, he finished wide receiver 2. Again, this is part of the reason it's going to be impossible for me to rank him next year and why I think Devontae Parker is going to end up being one of the most overdrafted players in fantasy football next season. When Preston Williams was playing... They each averaged four targets and basically, or I'm sorry, eight targets and four receptions a game and about 50 yards with the same amount of touchdowns. When Preston Williams got hurt, he was wide receiver 37 and Devontae Parker was wide receiver 36. They were doing the exact same thing. It was the Spider-Man meme in a wide receiver core. And as soon as Preston Williams got hurt, Devontae Parker, six catches a game on 10 targets, 100 yards a game on average. Five total touchdowns, and like I said, wide receiver two. So he crushed it the second half of the year. But when Preston Williams comes back next season, I think it's going to muddle everything up. I think Preston Williams is going to be able to be drafted at a discount to give you basically what Parker's going to give you for what you're going to have to pay four or five rounds higher for. One honorable mention that nobody had mentioned before, and it was Robert Woods. Yeah, Robert Woods. The start of the season was functionally left for dead. And if you would have picked him up after week 10, uh, he almost qualified as a league winner for the second half he put together to finish at wide receiver 16 after the start that he had. So league winners are players that carried you through the playoffs. Uh, Jack, who do you have for league winner? Uh, so for me, it really could only be one guy. And as much as I had joked at the start of the season that Miles Sanders was going to be winning me all my leagues, uh, and he did have a great playoffs, I did think about him, so he is my honorable mention, but it could not be anyone other than Kenyon Drake. He was the RB3 in the championship, RB1 in the semifinals, and he just, he literally did win people leagues just by being Kenyon Drake, because he didn't cost that much. Uh, he was a buy-low candidate that you could have got for super cheap, and he just absolutely balled out in the fantasy playoffs. It was ridiculous. Kenyon yeah, Drake from- is actually my selection as well. Uh, he was seventh in points per game during the playoffs, and that's not for running backs. That's for everybody. The only Ooh. people that scored more points during the playoffs than Kenyon Drake were Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston, and Saquon Barkley. So Kenyon Drake absolutely is my selection. Jason, who did you have? Yeah, I mean, I like Kenyon Drake, but for me, it's actually going to be Brashad Perriman because you're able to pick yep. him up, and he lit everybody on fire. 
Average. He was wide receiver four during the playoffs. Yep. And, and I had it's funny. I had I, just to close it off, by the way, because I wish you would have thrown it to me because I had Kenyon Drake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so just I had Kenyon Drake, my honor, Devontae Parker. Oh, no love for Joe Mixon. He was also hot from week. No, 13 no, no, on. no, no. It's Kenyon yeah, Drake because of all the he's things. He's on my honorable mention lists. Yeah, uh, he was RB10 during that stretch. But I didn't even have Prashad Perriman. It's an oversight on my part. So I was curious. Uh, I was they threw me for a second when you said that. So go. I, I'm sorry. I think I'm, I think I uh, cut off the end of your little of your stat there on Prashad Perriman. No, he just averaged 21.8 points per game, like from week 13 on. Like that's just incredible to me. And beyond that, I mean. The next closest was actually going to be uh, Tyler Higby at 21.44. Yeah, also on my mention list. So, Yeah, other guys I had on the, li- the list here, Ryan Tannehill, and then uh, as much as I hate the cleat eye, Aaron Jones was RB4 during the playoff stretch. So that paid off for you if you had been banking on that all season. Uh, and then MVP, I feel like this is going to be pretty straightforward. Does anyone have an argument for not Lamar Jackson? Nope. Oh, it's Christian too McCaffrey? easy. Boo! We you have Christian an argument McCaffrey for Chris here, McCaffrey? You go for it. I, mean, I have to. I mean, okay, just looking at the stat, if he would have stopped in week 12, he still would have finished his RB1 by 20 points. Every week he was giving you almost 10 points extra. Every week. While Lamar Jackson was only giving you about 5 extra points. So just a couple of reasons why. So I can give you, I have a bunch of stats here for the three main ones. It's Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, and Michael Michael Thomas. Thomas. I I, I think it's Lamar Jackson, but so hear me out here. So you got Christian McCaffrey had the 1,000-1,000 season. Completely impressive. Uh, The most scrimmage yards by players in their first three seasons. It's LT, uh, Eric Dickerson. Jamal Lewis, CJ2K, and then Christian McCaffrey is fifth all time for players in their first three seasons. It's a crazy stat. PPR scoring, he had 471.2 points for the season. That's just 10 shy of LaDainian Tomlinson's all-time record. He had the second highest PPR point total in the history of fantasy football, dating back to statistics from 1920. So that's... You can't say enough about what Christian McCaffrey did this season. And Michael Thomas, along the same lines, we all know he set the reception record with 149. He also had the seventh most receiving yards with 1725 in league history for a wide receiver. Not just this season, but league history. And the eighth most PPR points ever with 374.6. He only had nine touchdowns which was 79th all time. If he got into the end zone more, he would have crushed the wide receiver scoring record. And a note on that too, I found this fascinating and I thought I would share it with you gentlemen. So does anybody know who the receiving touchdown wide receiver leader was this year? Wide Wide receiver touchdown this year off the top of my head. Do, 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 do. Um, yeah, and no, I'll leave all this in. Um, yeah, I have no idea. This perfect. Is... It's Kenny Galladay with eleven. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Kenny Galladay led the league yeah, with eleven. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Eleven makes wide sense. receiver touchdowns for the leader. The last time a wide receiver finished the season as the league leader in touchdowns with eleven or less was when Wes Chandler led the NFL with nine for the San Diego Chargers in 1982. <laughs> So go, it was a historically Dodgers, down year for wide receiver touchdown production. So keep that in mind when you're uh, projecting out your wide receivers going into next year. Expect a boom. <laughs> but, but Michael Thomas had an unbelievable season. Also, one of my favorite stats, most receptions by a wide receiver in their first five seasons. Jarvis Landry has the record with 481 Michael Thomas has 470, and he's only played four years. <laughs> he needs 12 oh, catches boy. next season yep. to break the record. Or this Unbelievable. season. Unbelievable. Or is it just regular season? It doesn't count postseason. Well, playoffs doesn't count. It's just regular oh. season. But Lamar Jackson was ADP QB 14. 
10th round pick. He averaged 28.2 points per game. That's not only is that the best quarterback fantasy season ever. Pat Mahomes 26.6 last year was the record. So he beat it by almost two points per game. In fact, in terms of total points, Lamar Jackson had 417.7 in 15 games. Mahomes had 417.1 all of last year. He didn't even need the 16th game to pass him in total points scored. His 417.7 points total were the 8th most points by any player at any position in PPR scoring history. Had he played Week 17 and made his average, he would have finished with 445.9. That would have been the 4th best season in the history of fantasy football. So... Everybody else on the list in the top 10, there's eight running backs, Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes from last year. You can't say enough about the season that Lamar Jackson had this year. Like Christian McCaffrey, any other year would hands down be the MVP, and I absolutely get the argument for it, but it has to be Lamar Jackson. Has to be. Agree, especially when you're throwing the word value in most valuable player MVP. Right. Just the value could get Lamar at just yeah. Lamar was really the agree. ultimate league winner this year. Like he almost he he almost could have won league winner if the definition of our league winner award was different. Because just from the start of the season till the end, what you had to put into it versus what you were getting. I get the argument like it's only five points more, but and this is ten. But just compare it to anything else, it's got to be Lamar. We've never seen anybody, especially a quarterback, put up that kind of production. He he beat right. Mahomes with a game in hand. Right. That's that was the he, most fascinating he thing. He beat to Mahomes me. by a game in hand. He didn't even have to play the last one. And then even play week seventeen. It, it, it's ridiculous. As it's great crazy. as the season was too for Michael Thomas and for McCaffrey, like I said, like Jack mentioned, it's the value. It's what you paid to get it. Like all these guys that I'm talking about here. PPR scoring best seasons ever. They're all running backs and they were all top five picks in their respective drafts. If not the number one overall pick in their respective draft, you expected them to have fantastic seasons. Lamar Jackson, you got in the 10th round and had the best season at his position ever. And the fourth best basically position by any player at their position ever. So just unbelievable year for him. Let's close this out. Looking ahead to next year, what, what what are you looking forward to for 2020, Jack? Uh, so there's a lot of things I'm looking for. Uh, of course, we're always looking forward to breakout guys like Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs taking the next step. But uh, how about this summer? How about hard knocks? Are we uh, getting excited for that? Potential uh, inside look at uh, what we're getting from the Steelers? I don't know. I mean, the Raiders this year really killed my hard knocks buzz. <laughs> I don't know, we can find out why Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell didn't work out. I don't, I don't know. No, it's uh, that's going to will be we, not. will we, no. or is it just going to be Mike Tomlin pretending he's in the military and leaving us one star reviews? Yeah, probably that. You're right. Uh, that's that's love uh, you, Mike. Love you, Mike. Super fan, Mike Tomlin. Jason, what are you looking forward to for the 2020 season? I'm just, I'm more excited to see all the potential moves. Like, I want to see where Austin Eckler lands, for example. I want to see if AJ Green stays on the Bengals or if he goes somewhere else. And then I'm, I'm just excited to see how everybody ends up looking next year. Uh, Neil, 2020 season, what are you looking forward to? <clears throat> well, for the 2020 season, I've really, frankly, I just, I'm looking forward to watching a number of people take the next step, but especially AJ Brown who I just cannot say enough about at this point, where it's just, I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping they get, they can re-sign Tannehill and uh, see if they can put that back together. Cause I'd like to see what a full season of that looks like with them in year two. Um, the other thing too, that nobody's mentioned yet is the draft. I'm very much looking forward to the draft this year with some, with uh, some of the quarterbacks coming out and uh, which will trigger, which beforehand will trigger a very fun free agency to Jason's point. There's going to be a lot of bigger name guys moving to different places uh, that we didn't even list. Like, where's Andy Dalton going to be playing backup quarterback, guys? Mm. Haven't thought about that yet, have you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going, he's going to Tampa Bay, with, uh, and he's going to become an all-pro with Bruce Arians, just like Car Carson Palmer. Wow. Okay. Write that down. Clip, okay. clip this. 
clip this. We're going to need that later. Going to need that in 2020. We'll bring that up at the ranking summit. Uh, yeah, there's going to need to be – free agency is going to be good, but with the draft coming in, I think there's going to be three or four quarterbacks in that draft that go that go high and get an opportunity to play. So we're going to see an, kind of a shakeup around the league finally, where the youth movement that's kind of been starting seems like it's really going to be coming into full effect. And really, Jason, there's only one name at quarterback that we need to discuss. Justin. Where where Phil where Phil Rivers? Where Phil Rivers go? Is he back with you? Is he back with the Chargers? I think he gets a one year deal and he teaches Justin how to read coverages. <laughs> Is that horrible? Uh, That's what I'm really hoping for. It's a one year deal <laughs> to go out there and play. Oh boy. And then he's going to go to the Colts. <laughs> Keeps pushing that. I don't know why. Just keep pushing that narrative into the universe. I don't see that happening. Is First he, of all, I don't think he's going to get along with Jim Irsay very well. I don't think that's gonna that's gonna go well. He'll be fine. Uh, I don't know. Well, obviously, I'm looking forward to the Texans spending a ton of money in free agency since they have no draft picks. <laughs> uh, so that's basically their only choice. Bet it all on black. Bet it all the free agency, baby. Because otherwise, I mean, they're just going to sit on that money and. Bill O'Brien's just going to give a raise to Bill O'Brien and his, you know, his head coach, Bill O'Brien, and then GM Bill O'Brien will take a little off the top as well. What offensive we'll, coordinator, Bill O'Brien, possibly get a bump as well? Yeah, he gets a little bump because you know yeah. what they did in the second half. But, uh, no, I mean, 2019 in the rear view. Looking forward to everything in 2020, obviously. Uh, absolutely want to thank the three of you for joining me as, as much as humanly possible. Uh, shout out to everybody who contributed to us this year. You got Jordan, Mark, Todd, Kyle, John, Chase, Jim, Tyler, Daryl, of course, Aiden, uh, Jeremy, Kevin, Vishal, Armando, everybody. Just shout out to everybody. Huge crew this year. Everybody did a fantastic job. Appreciate everything that you guys all did. Uh, you can follow Jack at Javanaugh87, Jason at that Nerd, Neil at Nonsense underscore Neil. We will be back in the spring at some point. Who knows? We'll have some stuff going on for you. But until then, everybody, I am Steve Bonham. You can follow me at Nonsense underscore Steve. And just keep up the nonsense. Have an off season. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Benjamin Banger, Tritachion, and Admiral Bob. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with all the latest content on importantnonsense.com.